0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinnerbaits, buzzbaits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out.
2: Welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. On this podcast, we'll be talking about life and kayak fishing. Every week, we'll have a special guest, whether it's a tournament angler, a content creator, or just a regular guy or girl who just loves to go kayak fishing. So grab a cold beer, sit back, and enjoy the show. Bass Kayak and Beers is sponsored in part by Douglas Rod. Go to douglasoutdoors.com to check out their full lineup and locate your nearest authorized dealer. All right, welcome to Bass kayak and Beers. And today my special guest is Coley McGowan. How are you doing, Coley? I'm good, sir. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good, man. Thank you for coming on board. Coley is uh one of those Alabama Hammers that's taking part in the KFL. He also won the Hobie uh B uh Hobie BOS in um, Knoxville, Tennessee, the Kusa chain. Is that correct, Coley?
3: I won the uh, Coosa chain event here in Gadsden. I got fourth at the uh, Knoxville event.
2: Oh, yeah, fourth of the Knoxville. I'm sorry. I'm looking at your sign behind you, and I know you got fourth yeah. on one. Day. I hope the one I didn't yeah. <laughs> that was – so, correction. First in in, in the um, Coosa chain and fourth in Tennessee. Which, which lake was in Tennessee that you were fishing?
3: That was the headwaters of the Tennessee River. It was uh, the French Broad River, the Holston River. Like telico and Fort Loudon, uh, so we had a lot of water to cover. That was a that was a cool fishery.
1: With conditions good. would
3: have been a lot better though, but it was it was good. Yeah,
2: it was a TOC, right?
3: Yes, sir. Yeah, it was a TOC and uh, November.
2: November, yeah. That's one thing about transition weather, whether it's spring or just kind of uh, October. You know, you not October. I'm sorry, I wanted to say fall fall and winter, those transition season, it's like you never know how it's going to fish because, you know, it's just transition seasons. You know, it's not like summer. You know, it's going to be pretty much warm, the occasional thunderstorms, and it's winter where it's going to be pretty much cold, the occasional, you know, cold front or, you know, not so cold front. But transition weathers to me, it's always hit or miss. Oh, yeah.
3: And especially with our time and with the TOC, they were trying to get the lake levels down a lot, Douglas. And uh, Cherokee, so they were like dropping the water dramatically, and so like every day the water was either pumping out of Douglas or pumping out of Cherokee through the dams. How the river systems are set up, and I mean like Douglas, it was just it had the water on uh, the French Broad just up and muddy and rolling. I mean it was, but it I mean it was that's where I fished. I fished the French Broad, the French Broad, uh, for the TOC and. But I mean that, that whole area, the French brawl, the Holston, everywhere I went I had fish. It was just like which one do I want to fish? <laughs> and the other day, it was it was kind of tough. But I like muddy water. I'm used to fishing the Coosa River, so I like muddy water.
2: <laughs> yeah. What uh well we'll go into the techniques and everything in a few uh, as we go along in the podcast. But I really wanted to first of all introduce you to the audience. Coley, tell us a little bit about you. What you do for work, and uh, how you got into kayak fishing.
3: Um, I'm I'm 26. I'm from Gadsden, Alabama. Uh, my everyday job, I'm a deputy sheriff for the Etowah County Sheriff's Office. Um, but kayak fishing is just kind of my outlet. Like I've, uh, I grew up fishing. I mean, from from the time I could walk, with my papa, uh, wading creeks and floating rivers and stuff like that around here. we got plenty of rivers and creeks and good lakes. Um, I got into kayak fishing, I don't know, probably about eight years ago, I guess. Before that, it was canoes. Um, And then kayak, just the whole kayak thing kind of blew up. And then a couple of local clubs around here invited me to start fishing some local events. And uh, I had a little cheap heritage uh, 12-foot kayak, like a heritage angler or something like that from Academy. And uh, it floated and it was I just fell in love with it. I'm competitive, so it just kinda it kinda offset. I like to I like to be competitive, but also I just enjoy fishing it. Just I don't know, just
1: it's a good
3: outlet that just lets me relax from my everyday job and I just enjoy it.
2: So how does it go from like talking a little bit about your work? You mentioned that kayak fishing is an outlet for you. And you also mentioned you're a sheriff deputy. Now you're pretty young for sheriff's deputy. You were telling me you were like what, twenty six years old?
3: yes sir yeah 26.
2: is that like normal to like our sheriff deputy usually that young are you kind of like the young uh, like kind of head of the class in kind of in that aspect
3: uh there's a lot of young guys get into it but nowadays there's just not really as many young people i guess they get into it and they get out of it they don't really stay in it um but coming my dad was a police officer and prior military and stuff like that uh just kind of been around it i guess majority of my life and um, I don't know. I was a pipe welder before I become a police officer. Um, and then I, became, then shortly after becoming a police officer, I became a deputy sheriff. Um, uh, I don't know. I just, I like interacting with the public and, you know, I like doing my part, giving back and helping and being there for, being there for people when people need help. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I enjoy, enjoy doing that. I don't know. I, it's just different. It's It's hard to explain as far as, I don't know when 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 you're fishing and you catch a fish and you're like oh man that's great but when you really help somebody you know that really really does need help it just really kind of has that same effect you know what i mean like you you've done what you signed up for as far as somebody needed you and you were there and you know there's no thanks or anything needed you're just doing your part but yeah.
2: yeah i think that's refreshing for for me to to listen to a young man i mean i'm what, 20 years older than you right now, and to hear you talk about your work and how you feel about it, to me, that's refreshing because there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to um, law enforcement. But to see a young man like yourself like talk about how it, what you like and what you love about serving the public is something that I think you know brings us hope, when, especially in the turbulence times that we live in.
3: Oh yeah. It's definitely a different ages than when my family has been in law enforcement. It's just, it's changed, you know, with social media blowing up and you know, everybody's got a phone and you see two different sides of things. It's not saying every cop's a good cop. There's bad apples in every tree, but for the most part, you know, we, everybody that I know personally, you know, not saying I don't know any bad ones, but you know, people have signed up to help and give back and be there for people. And you know, it's just, I mean, there's you, there's evil in all walks of life. I mean, there yeah. is, and you gotta have you gotta have somebody balancing it out. If not, it just you know it'll overtake. But um, you know, just being out there and people, you know, that's what I enjoy about being a deputy. I think the most part is the fact that most of the people I come in contact with are happy to see us, um, because there's a lot of videos and images that give us a bad name out there in the mm-hmm. country right now. Um, but a lot of people are happy to see us and enjoy, it because it's you know, if you don't have medics and firefighters and law enforcement, I mean, there's no tell what this world would be like. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you gotta get the bad out of the neighborhood. You gotta, you know, you gotta get people help, you know, not all bad or bad in the long run. You know, some people just need help. They're lost. Um, so I try not to take anything personal in this job. Um, Cause you know, people, people are going to try to hurt you. People are going to say hurtful things and stuff like that. And you just kind of let, gotta let it roll off. You just can't, can't take things personal. Cause a lot of, a lot of times the people we interact with are not in the right state of mind mentally. You know, they, whether they're under the influence of alcohol or drugs or mentally unstable, you know, it's a mental condition. You know, it's, you interact with a lot of people, with a lot of different, different types of personality. That's for sure.
2: Uh, That's definitely. And right now with the social media where everything is like scrutinized, your job is obviously going to be scrutinized. And that's something that your father probably didn't have to deal with. But now it's more like even if you do things right, people can edit things in a way that makes you look like a villain when you're actually trying to help. But I think, like I said, refreshing to hear you talk that way. We thank you for your service. We thank you that our people, just people like you out there that are doing it for the right reason and have that outlook on it. It's not always easy dealing with the public, but having that understanding and that maturity, that emotional and I think emotional, intellectual maturity that you possess at such a young age where you can, you know, take yourself out the emotions out of something out of a difficult situation and not take it personally and understand there's a job to do and there's a way to go about it the right way and there's a way to go about it the wrong way and even if you do good the right way I mean there's always gonna be uh the critics so thank you again for for being the the way that you have being with this uh, taking that approach that you're taking in and, and again thank you for your service I know it's not gonna be it's not gonna it's not easy definitely and you mentioned something that um, kayak fishing does help you kind of be an outlet. How does kayak fishing help you? First of all, in the sense of uh, your your leisure time, you know, your time on the water where you're just enjoying fishing. And then there's also the aspect of your tournament angler as well. So there's, you know, there's a huge difference between fishing for fun and just relaxing and having the pressure of actually having to pay 250 dollars for an entry fee and performing trying to get some of that money back and also not looking you know um looking bad when you're getting skunk so tell me about that how does that you know transfer how's that help you deal with um you know just being an outlet for your job
3: well i kind of look at it as the the person i've become now as far as a police officer I like to go back to the person I was before, you know, I like, no worries, you know, just put a plastic boat in the back of your truck, go out to the river, go creek, or the lake, you know, on the weekends, and fun fish with your friends, your buddies, your family, and just go back to who you used to be, you know, like, we all got our jobs, or nine to five, or, you know, whatever jobs we got to do to support our families, you know, but um, you just got to let that stuff go sometimes, you know, you got to forget about it, and you just got to get a rod in your hand, and just go relax and enjoy yourself and try to try to remember who you used to be. You know what I mean? So it, it, that's why I like fit, fun fishing for the most part is just, it just kind of reminds me of where I come from and, and what I what I, what I enjoy is a passion because that's what it was before I started fishing a few tournaments here and there. And I started trying some bigger events and stuff like that was just going out and enjoying myself and fishing and, and just catching big fish. And it was just, Everybody's like, hey, man, you know, won't you sign up for this or why don't you do this? This this tournament's in town or, you know, stuff like that. And I think starting to fish some bigger events for, you know, KBF and uh, Hobie and stuff like that. Just being able to travel, you know, just to go to different bodies of water is basically, it tests me because I like the pressure. I like to be under pressure. I think I perform better when the conditions are rough. Um, Well, I say that, but. I got my butt kicked at Seminole, so we're not going to talk about that. But um, <laughs> I like to think the tougher the conditions, the better I do. Just I don't know why I've always been that way, but most of the events we have where there's a lot of rain or bad conditions or water levels are horrible, um, it just kind of makes it an equal playing field, I guess, for everybody else. And uh, cause you, you know, you got guys at all different levels. You got guys that are deep water guys. You got guys that do better, do better up shallow guys or river guys or, you know, whatever. Everybody's got their strengths. And I just feel like when, when the conditions are tough, it just, it it suits me better. Um, And I, I think I like going, like when I fished for Hobie at the TOC, that was an awesome experience to go to, to go to Knoxville and fish. I've never seen that area. I mean, I only live like three and a half hours away, but I just never been there and it was, it was an awesome place. I mean, I enjoyed every second of it, even when the conditions were rough. Uh, but it's just been great as far as going from fishing just for fun and then entering, you know, tournaments, whether it's local clubs or trail events or, you know, like bigger kayak tournaments like Hobie, the BOA series, or the KBF trail event, stuff like that. It's just, I don't know. It's just something about I had a bass boat once, and I sold it after a year. Uh, because I started kayak fishing so much, and the, not taking anything, not taking anything away from the bass boat guys, not at all, because I love them to death. But the kayak guys that you that you are around and you interact with, and you sit down with at a table at an event, and you're all after the same thing. You're trying to win, or you're trying to do good, or cash a check. And just about every one of those guys you're going to talk to would give you the shirt off their back. They're mm-hmm. humble. They're nice guys. They're going to help you out on the water if you need anything. You know, there's a lot of guys that's had their trailers break down and somebody give them a tire, spare tire or lend them a hand when help's needed. And, you know, it's just hard to find that anywhere around. And I think that's why I've enjoyed competition fishing so much. Like, you know, as far as like, on you know, trail events and stuff like that, being competitive is is how easy it is in a, in a sense because you don't feel that stress, you know, of like, these guys, they're not going to talk to you. They're not going to interact with you. It's just so comfortable. Like you go to a BOS event and you're just still at home. You're just everybody there is just talking, cutting up, having a good time. You know, talking about you know fishing in general. It's just, it's just, it's a good environment. You know, and I just, I like being a part of that. And it was just cool to be a part of the Seminole event for Hobie um, this 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 month. It was just even though I got my butt kicked. Um, I mean, that was the biggest event Hobie's had, you know, that was just, that was cool to be a part of that, you know, just to be there and just take all that in and see some different terrain and some different water and learn. It's all a learning curve for me. uh you know, I don't, obviously don't fish for a living. It's a hobby that, you know, I just, I don't, I don't care if I win or I lose. I just want to do my best. And, uh, I don't know. It's just to go somewhere like that on a bigger, bigger, bigger event and just, see all those people, you know what I mean? And just from all over, you know, like from, you know, Alabama, you know, Georgia, those are all Georgia guys, Florida, there was guys from Ohio yeah. and Texas and all over. And it's just like, you get all these guys from all over. And it's like the TOC. you get all these guys from all over and they've never met. some. I'm sure most of them met. Some of them had never seen me before or just come up talking, you know, cutting up, you know, ask you where you're from or where you fish and just, you know, it was just cool to get to interact with those you know, those people that, you know, just – I don't know, just people that I've seen these past couple of years, like, dang, that's awesome. You know, they're doing big things. Like, you look at Russ Snyder, or look at Ryan Lambert, or you look at Jordan Marshall. You know, you, you look at hammers like that. You know, you look at Lance Coley from Alabama. I fished against him in a bunch of state events and, you know, club events, stuff like that. And, I mean, it's just – to so everybody finally get to, like, compete against each other up there at the TOC was just awesome. You know, you get to see a bunch of familiar faces and people you didn't know and just, I don't know, it's just fun. I encourage anybody to, anybody that's scared to try or jump up and, you know, go fish. It don't matter what, what, how much your kayak costs. It don't, don't matter a bit. You can go buy a $200 kayak as long as you got the, 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 the stuff you need, show up and fish. And hey, you look at Drew Gregory. I mean, shoot, he's, you know, crescent or crescent. If I'm saying that wrong, I'm sorry, Drew, but, you know, they're, <laughs> I mean, they're doing huge things like, and he kicks all our butts and a paddle kayak i mean i got a Hobie, but that's just because that's just what i like you know like i had new canoe before that and i love new canoe i mean I, I have nothing to say about any bad kayak so it's just the kayak floats and you just kind of trick them out the way you want to whatever works best for you and fits your personal needs i mean it's it's awesome i mean i encourage anybody to come out and fish even if it's just local clubs hey if you're around gas in alabama holler at me on facebook or whatever and let's go fish a local event or just reach out to somebody, man. Don't be scared to ask questions or, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm still new to it. So, I mean, I asked Lance and Drew and, you know, I, you know, I mean a bunch of guys that I call them on the phone, ask them a question or about an event. And I mean, they helped me out more than anybody has. So I just, I encourage anybody that wants to fish any events, local, big or small, just reach out to somebody if you want to do it and just go do it.
2: Yeah, that's the beauty of this sport because there's different levels to why I think it's an awesome sport. First of all, if you're a competitor, right? Like me, I'm the same way. I'm a a competitor. I love playing uh, whether it's football, soccer, baseball, basketball, but I'm not very athletic at any of it. It doesn't mean I love competing. I love it, but I I realize I'm not very athletic at any of them. But, you know, it's one of those things where your kayak fishing doesn't matter your athletic ability. I mean, you can be as good as anybody out there, as long as you're willing to put the time off the water by doing research and on the water, by practicing, spending time on the water and, and honing in your skills. But anybody, could be guy or girl, you could be six feet tall, you could be five feet tall, you can be, it doesn't matter. Athletic ability is like 1% <laughs> of, of your success. If you're athletic, then yeah, maybe you can paddle, Faster than anybody else. If you know what we bos, maybe you can cast longer. But really, there's no, there's, there's really, there's the level of your success is really dependent on how much you put into it, and that's what I love the sport. You can go out there and rub shoulders with, like you said, Ryan Lambert, um Ross Snyder, Jody Quinn, Derek Branda. I mean, the list goes on and on. And on a good day, if you if you did your homework, you can be out there and, like you said, finish number one on the on the CUSA or actually finish number fourth, which I think is an even a comp- bigger accomplishment considering it's the TOC. When you look at who was uh, fishing with you at the TOC, I mean, that's really the top 50 anglers in the, in the States. I mean, I don't want to say in the world because I don't know what they're doing over there in Asia and, and all the other countries as far as bass fishing. But at least in the United States, it's you know it's top fifty anglers, and you ended up number fourth. You know, a young kid, you know, from Alabama, going down there and showing off, and it's got to be exciting. And and just the general culture in the sport, it's it's like it's like you said, everybody gives you shit off their back. You know, it's, there's always that big personalities that that you know that you have to get used to and the trash talkers and all that. And just that's just part of it. But the reality at the core, everybody just loves the sports. Everybody loves the community. And everybody's willing to help you grow and get better. And it's kind of like a brotherhood or a sisterhood because I know there's a lot of girls out there that fish too. But in general, it's just just a great sport. Like you said, I encourage anybody that really wants to learn kayak fishing even if you're not competing just the fact that you can be on the water and talk to some of the great anglers out there and learn from them something you can take you know on your free time when you are out just by yourself fishing and give you a chance to land more bass than you would have learning on your own or just uh, bigger bass because you had the chance to you know, rub shoulders with some of the greats and kind of pick their brains because they're all willing to share information. They might not tell you the exact secrets they use, but they'll, they're willing to tell you some stuff to help you learn.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure.
2: So how does it feel for you? Tell me how it felt for you winning the CUSA and how it felt for you comparing to winning, or not winning, but being number fourth on the TOC.
3: Well, coming into the CUSA event, um, that was my first event for Hobie. Um, I've been wanting to fish a bunch of them. and was just kind of on the edge, you know, like, ah, I don't know if I'm ready, kind of, so to speak. Um, I like to fish a lot of local events. Or I do. Um, and I just don't have a lot of time off with my job. Um, but everybody's like, hey, man, this is a big opportunity for you. And I was like, you know, yeah, maybe so. And but so when I signed up for it, I mean, I was nervous as I'll get out. Like, there's, there's no denying it. Uh, but my family was behind me, and they were like, you know, just go do what you do. Um, the weekend before, we had Alabama, our Alabama State Championship, and um, I tied for first in the state on that. Ended up losing the tiebreaker to Lance Coley. Hats off to him. Uh, I think we both had like 59 and a quarter inches and three fish. Um, and I hate losing, but I'll, I'll, it's okay to lose to him. Uh, I think a lot of him um so going into that event i was like you know man i'm I'm feeling pretty good about where my fish was i was on them um and when i got there on day one uh, my father-in-law fished with me also um that's off to him i appreciate him helping me and everything he does brandon lindsey um so i get there me and a couple guys from georgia and a couple guys from up north and we kind of split our ways or whatever and you know usually by nine o'clock i'm up in the 90s as far as inches go and five fish and i think i had two 16 inch fish by like nine or nine thirty, and i was really sweating i was like man i'm gonna choke you know there's a lot of big events you know like i mean just from what i know and what people have told me just you know a lot of your local guys they kind of choke you know what i mean like if there's an event you know that around them you know they do better sometimes going out somewhere else with a you know fresh plate fresh state of mind and you know, they come in their backyard and there's just so much pressure. They just fold. You know what I mean? It's just, yep. so I was like, man, I'm just, I can't be that guy, you know? And it's so like Jim Clark, my boy, Jim Clark, he was hyping me up, you know, you know telling everybody I was going to do good in this event and Coleman Fowler. And, you know, a lot of guys were, you know, kind of, you know, kind of betting on me. And I was like, man, I, you know, I just can't, I just can't choke for them. You know, they've, they've been, you know, said my name and everything else. So I gave up what I was doing and, went about a mile down the river, maybe, maybe a mile and a half. And, uh, I'd run into a guy and he had said that there'd been a couple of, you know, anglers the day before and they're fishing pretty hard. So I thought, well, maybe they probably sore up them. You know what I mean? And area I was fishing was kind of small, you know, they, they, they would fluctuate based, you know, really depending on weather and current, but it, the conditions were lining up to be about the same as they was in practice. So the fish really wasn't moving in and out a lot. Um, and when I, I found enough on day one that it had me tied for sixth, and I was sitting in seventh, uh, by the end of the day and I just wasn't real confident going into it. And then when I got home, my wife and my family and everybody's like, you know, Hey, you're still in this, you're not out, you know, go cash a check, you know? And, you know, I'm, I got that mentality. Like i i I want to win no matter what. That's just, that's why we all fish. We're not fishing for second, third or fourth, but at the end of the day, you know, like we, you know, it's good to finish that good, but we're all shooting for first. And uh, so I had a, I had a spot that I didn't get to hit on day one. I run out of time, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to swing for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there, and I'm just going to – they're going to be there. I had nothing to lose at that point, you know. Um, and I got there, and by, nine, like, 930, I had, like, 93 and a half inches. And I was like – I didn't even know it. Like, I, I mean, I had – I caught, I caught a 20 inch spot uh, and I caught a 19 inch largemouth and I caught a 17 and three quarter largemouth and I caught a couple other decent spots um, and I'm mostly everybody knows me for spots catching big spotted bass um, but I was happy to see those largemouth when I did and uh, I caught all those fish out of a hole about the size of maybe a living room they were really? stacked in they, yeah they were stacked in there so good and what's crazy is I came across them just by prior experience I knew like from, from years of fishing there I knew they were there it was just knowing what they wanted and I pulled up and, you know threw a prop bait threw a walking bait through a buzz bait I, mean, I threw everything at them you know I was basically working the water column I threw everything up high first because it was early nothing Worked my way back down. Man, I, I ended up catching a couple on a chatterbait. Um, and then I ended up catching some on a shallow crankbait. And they were all, you know, I mean, right there stacked. I mean, I at one time I had two on a crankbait, a little shallow crankbait, a little fat john. I had two and they were rolling. Like one had the front treble hook and one had the back. And one of them ended up coming off. And I, that's when I knew they were there. Like, I was like, they're here. That was like the second fish I caught. I was like, I just got, I, they're there. I just got to give them what they want. And uh, what told me that was my papa, uh, before he died, we fished all the time. And uh, he always told me that you'll no matter where you fish, you're going to see a clue. No matter where you go, you're going to be given a clue. Now, whether you're now you're paying attention enough to see that clue and take it in and use it, that's on you. And uh, I saw a little bitty shad come by that was about maybe three inches long, maybe a little smaller. And uh, he had a big old red spot on his side where something had hit and knocked half his scales off. And I thought, that's my clue. I thought, that's it. I switched that little fat john, and I started stroking him. I, started, I threw a fat john. I threw a bandit 100. And I don't know how many fish I caught in, in that little hole. And I left because nobody was around me. I left some guys had come by me. And I left and caught a largemouth uh, up in some willow grass because you know the Coosa River and Wise Lake and wherever the terminal was was were just the banks are lined up at willow grass and uh, and that's what I that's what I enjoy to fish. That's probably one of my strong points is flipping and stuff like that. And I mean, it just happened. I and mean, before I knew it, my father-in-law was calling me, "Hey, uh, did you did you check the leaderboard yet?" And I said, "No, I just I just got five. You know, and I don't even know what I got right now." And he was like you know you're in first you've got like 93 and a half inches and that's when it hit me i was like holy crap you know and then like everybody was chasing me down throughout the day and uh when you got lance coley and you got joshua sharp from tennessee and you got drew gregory and you got you know clint henderson you know you got all them georgia guys and you got a lot of guys you know tennessee hammers from around here and they're just running you down you know and it's like that pressure was Killing me, cause I wanted, I wanted to call one more. I was like, just, just give me, one, just give me one more. And I mean, I worked my butt off. And uh, I was actually in a canoe pursuit when I uh, won that event. Um, and uh, my hobby was at home, and uh, my paddle broke about. Oh wow. One forty-five, and I don't know how it broke. Uh, never had one break before, uh, but it broke. I was I was paddling and I don't know if I hit a rock or hit a log or something and it just caught and it just popped and a dude from Georgia can't remember his name um, I just give him a bag of soft plastics he had run out of trailers for his jig and I had pulled up we were chit chatting and I said hey man you know I'm fishing a head up here and fish I'm not you know I got some more jig trailers here's your pack if you want them and are like yeah that's the color I like so I give him that pack and like literally as soon as I paddled off. I broke my, my paddle, and I was like, oh, my God. So I paddled about three miles, I guess, three and a half miles with a half a paddle to the truck. And I was on the phone with my father-in-law, and I was like, I just hope I make it back to the truck. Like, I'm just trying to get back to the truck so I get the way in So I hopefully what I have done for today has give, done me enough for so I cash a check. And I was like, if I don't make it back, I'm not going to get to cash a check. So I was digging. To get back, and I finally, I finally made it back. But yeah, that was that was a good experience here, in my home lake, you know, Wide Lake and Newly Henry. Um, it was great, you know. My family supported me the whole time, you know, like you know Bucks Island and the Yak Shack and Pella on Bucks Island and Southside. I mean, everybody was, you know, pulling for me and everything, and it was just, it was good to be able to, you know, do do good here and you know pull out a win. It was great and. I'm ha- I'm happy with it, but like you said, the fourth place in Knoxville probably to me means more than the than the win on the Kusa. Uh, it was just a different atmosphere. It was great. Let me, I,
2: I'm. Let me stop you there for a second, just because I wanted to hit on something before I forget. How when did you find out you and you had the number one spot?
3: My father-in-law called me at like cuz I I'm I No, but light. officially
2: cuz you said you gratified, but officially when did you find and I'm sorry I interrupted there you might have been going that way. But when did you uh, know like oh yeah I got first place? Oh, when I won it.
3: Like I oh they cut the leaderboard off at like I think AJ cut it off at like 2 so I was freaking out and I was in the lead when when I when it got cut off. Uh, but my father-in-law, he called me at like 9.30 and was like, hey, you're in the lead. And I was in the lead all day. And that it sucks as far as pressure. Uh, everybody that, you know, has been sitting in first can back me on that. It's horrible. Yeah. You know, every time you pull your phone out, you're looking and you're, you're waiting for it to update. And you're going to be bumped down to second or third or so forth. And when they cut their leaderboard off, I was, I was like, I was cussing AJ. I was like, AJ, you're killing me, man. I was like this. This is brutal because you know they cut the leaderboard off, so you know you've still got two hours to for anglers to score in fish. So hey, you just you just don't know, and I yeah. think that's why they do it. You know, I think I think they do it for that. I think they do it to get your nerves all wound up, and get you excited, and all worked up. Because I mean, it did. I mean, it it was eating in me like crazy. I wanted to know, and when when we were sitting there in the awards room and they were calling everybody out, I honestly thought I'd got jumped. Uh, Joshua Sharp had a freaking phenomenal day on day two. I think I think he had like 98 inches, wow. and I think that was the event, uh, big stringer uh, for sure. Uh, and he hammered them. And and when when I and when I seen him climbing and climbing, over, like, he's gonna get me because he's found them. And when you find them around here on the Coosa River, on Weiss, or Logan Martin or Neely or wherever, when you find them. It's it's dangerous. I mean, you're. It's, there's no telling what somebody can put up when when they're on them, and it can happen quick. And yeah, it,
2: that was yeah, especially and proof to what you just said. I mean, look what Joshua did. Um, what did he? I'm I'm trying to forget so many tournaments back to back. I think it was it was it wasn't a was ten. the, was the, the 10, KBF the, or
3: it was the, or the, the Kissimmee Trail down there in yes uh, uh, Kissimmee, Florida.
2: I mean, he put him. I mean, he put a smack down there. Like he was impressive. Oh, yeah. I think there was, if I remember correctly, and again, I apologize if I, I'm misremembering the facts. But I think there was one day where he by, by, eleven he already had like 98 inches or something like that. I think it was him. But he he basically made himself known to the rest of the world. Like, pay attention. I'm Joshua Sharp. Oh yeah. I'm here for your money. So for you now. You knew Joshua Sharp already. You already knew how great of an angler he is. And you already see him chasing you down and you see him landing some big fish. And all of a sudden, that 93 inches doesn't seem that insurmountable amount of inches, no. considering what you knew. Like, we are now just finding out how great Joshua Sharp is, but you already knew how great or how good he is. So. I like to go back to a point that you mentioned because I think it's completely accurate when you're sitting number one, that's obviously that's the best place you want to do. But as far as psychologically, that's the worst place in the sense that there's because there's always that fear of sandbagging uh, from Mm. other anglers and that um, that, you know, they caught off the leaderboard before the tournament ends. And then you are just like, well, you know, you have it within your grasp. It's it's what do you do now? Do you like, you know, do you swing for the fences? Do you just try steady? You know, it depends on what your your smaller fish is. You know, if you got a 12 inch fish, then it's I think was it Joshua. I can't remember. It was Joshua Ryan Lambert. I was watching tournament. It could have been also the TKC when one of the guys had like 90 something and then a 12 inch Fish or 14 inch to call, which is like that. come That's a complete game changer right there. Cause you can, oh, yeah. You know what I mean, it's pretty. Now, nah, I'm not gonna say it's pretty easy. Catching five fish is not easy to begin with. But when you got a 12 inch fish, you gotta be thinking, man, I can call this fish. I don't have to swim for the fences with a big swim bait. I can just go with a chatter bait, and chances are whatever I catch next is gonna be bigger than 12 inches. So it's, it's gotta be the most stressful position you can be on on any given tournament just being first place so early because now it's like if you're in second third fourth place then all you know you gotta if you want number one you gotta swing for the fences that's it comes down to being that simple figuring out what the bite is and then seeing if you can you know throw something bigger or just kind of like not that even small fish can hit a big swim uh big uh swim bait because I've known. I've, I've seen fish smaller than my swim bait hit that swim bait. But the chances are of, you know, landing a bigger fish improve when you throw a big swim bait. But, you know, you're not going to get as much bites as you will with a Senko or a Ned Rig. So there's that whole game within a game that you have to play. And first place has got to be the most stressful spot you can be. I mean, especially when it's, we're talking about the, a two-day event like the Hobie, it's, it's got to be killing you in the inside.
3: Yeah, especially when you got the best forty nine anglers, like you said, you know, probably around in the country, um, that you know, chasing you down, you know, because um, at the TOC, uh, I knew I was going to get jumped, uh, and I, I was, I, I couldn't make a a crucial call on day one at the TOC in Knoxville, and um, that hurt me the most. I had a twelve incher. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't call him for nothing. I had a lot of missed opportunities. I lost a big fish. I had. I had to cut my net because one got wound up in my net, which was dumb, uh, and I should have took the time to fix it, and that was my mistake. Um, and the very next fish that I hooked, I netted, had him up over the kayak, and he come unbuttoned, and was shot right through that hole, hit my oh ground, and into <laughs> the end of the water. I mean, you can't make it up. And I'm like. Coley, why did you not take the time to fix your net? You know, that could have been a couple thousand dollar fish right there. After the fact that, you know, I sat there in the room and thought about it, you know, and I'm like, and then, so, I mean, you know, during the day, uh, you know, Jordan Marshall was hammering them. Uh, Jordan and Ryan Lambert was, you know, they were hammering them. Christine yeah. Fisher was hammering them, hammering them. And, uh, I knew that when Ryan Lambert, cause he was right up from me. Um, I knew whenever he got his fish fired up that I was in trouble uh because at one point during the day for a couple hours um i had like 166 i think was my two-day total and my father-in-law called me and he was like hey you ain't looked at the leaderboard have you and i was like no i've been trying to get another call." and he was like well don't look at it and i was like what is it and he was like you're you're in the lead And i was like well, what do i got and he was like 166 i was like oh that ain't that ain't gonna cut it because yeah. i knew what i knew what ryan had and i knew what jordan and christine had the day before and i was like god if they You know, but that's fishing, though. You know, I mean, they very well could have, you know, not caught a limit. It happens to all of us, like you know. I mean, you never, you never know. So I just kept grinding. But I was in second when they cut the leaderboard off, and I I fell to fourth, which you know, they those guys deserved it. They they definitely earned it. That's for sure. And they're they're the best. They're the best in the game. So you know, you you know, hats off to them. Well,
2: how does it feel for you, for example, like, um like your first your your win was in your home waters right yes sir so there's always gonna be those people and maybe i mean they might have a point we saw what happened in the hobie bos i think ewing was a young guy who was he'll never even doesn't even own a kayak but he and, and not to take anything away from that young man great young man i i saw the interview on kbn props to him, you know, because at the end of the day, you still have to catch him. But it does show you a little bit of, you know, that home field advantage guy that fishes in their home waters. They didn't even own a kayak, got a rented kayak or somebody loaned him a kayak. And he almost beat uh, Ryan Lambert. Um, So, Again, not talk, taking anything away from you, but going back to your win. Now, it's on your home waters. There's always going to be the people that say, well, it's on his home waters. Fair or not fair, that's that's going to be, you know, that's what the naysayers, I don't want to say the haters because that's a strong word, but that's where the doubters are going to say. Now, you go into the TOC. that's not your home waters, right? No, I've never, never fished
3: it. I went and pre-fished it. Um, two days the week before, and didn't catch. I think I caught two on day one, and I think I may have caught four or five on on day two, um, and left. And I was like, you know, I hope I, It it kind of was like a clue again. Like I didn't find the the area. Like I had found a small little spot, uh, but what they were relating to. I just needed to find more of what they were relating to, for what I was wanting to fish. And I was fishing water eight to twelve foot deep um, on the river, and it it was submerged grass, and there was a ton of bait fish in there on my grass, um, and there was a lot of fish feeding. Um, there was white bass and striper, and uh, there was largemouth and smallmouth mixed in, um, and they, I mean it just. I just I knew that if I stayed right where I found them and I kept working that one area, me and a guy from California I can't remember his name, great guy. We we had the same idea, and we were working the same bank. And I realized that about thirty minutes into day one, everybody run off and left, and uh, I was fishing that bank, and he come you know down through there, and I just think I was thinking, okay, well I'm gonna fish it and then he's gonna come behind me and he'll keep going and then i'll just go back up and make the same path and he didn't he turned around at the bottom of it and was fishing and he came back up and i'm after about three or four times I'm, i just said hey man i'm you know i paddled over to him and introduced myself and you know told him i said look man i don't know what your game plan is but this is this is my game plan is it cool if we fish the same bank you know you know who's to say who was there first you know I was coming down the bank, he was behind me, but who cares, you know, just out of a respect thing. And he was like, yeah, man, I'm cool with it. You know, if you want to fish it down to the end and then I'll start coming down and we'll just kind of rotate it, you know, cause it was, it was taking quite a while to fish that whole stretch. Um, you know, it was a couple hundred yard stretch and, and we were kind of fishing two different sections of that area. He was fishing more of the bank out to about the six to eight foot range. And I was targeting the, just the edge of what he was stopping at out further. So he was kind of sitting, floating over the fish that I was targeting, and he was catching the ones from the bank because the the fish that I was catching was out suspended in the grass. And when I would get my chatterbait, I, I was basically yo yo in my chatterbait. I would pitch it out in the river, let it get buried up in that grass, and I would pop it free and then reel it to slack and I would pop it free, kind of yo yo and a lipless.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And There were so much bait fish in that river. Just my opinion. I don't think that they were just absolutely hungry. I think because every fish I caught was about to pop. I mean, they were just some of them had shad stuck in their throats. I mean, it was crazy. So I was figuring out that I'm getting them to react to it because they weren't necessarily eating it. They, I was getting them hung in you know like weird places like skin lifting them in the mouth and you know, like the roof of the mouth and the bottom of the mouth. And just from what I, what I know, if you're hooking them in the bottom, you know, the bottom of the mouth, they're not really, you know, they're not really eating it right. You know, And
2: yeah.
3: it was, it, it was like, well, they're not hungry, but I needed to get them to react to it. And, and it was, if I would throw it out and I wouldn't get in no grass and I'm reeling it back, I wouldn't get bit. But when I would rip it free, they was hitting it either right when it ripped free or the fall back down into the grass. And, um, so me and that guy kinda worked the same bank, and, you know, and I hats off to him. Uh he's a great dude from California. He's at the i C. I'm sure somebody will know his name. Um but I thanked him after that and even and then I'll tell you how good some of the guys are uh, on in some of these events. On day two, we did that all day one. And on day two, about mid morning, well, maybe ten or eleven, I was in the lead and uh he looked at the leaderboard he was right down from me and he looked I guess he pulled his phone out looked at the leaderboard and I looked over he was on his phone and he said hey what's your name and I told him my name and he said all right man I'm out of here and I said I said where are you you going he goes well man you're in the lead right now and he was like man I'm not messing none of that up for you I said listen man I said dude don't worry about it you know you know get you need to get what you need to get for you too because I was like you know it's not fair for you know me to you know say well this is my spot or you know i found these fish because who knows who found them you know what i mean he may have found them before i did you know but it was cool that we got to kind of work together and you know we got to work it out you know that way we both get what we needed to get out of it and man it was crazy he said look man i'm out of here i'm going across the river and he went across the river and fished that bank and you know hats off to him you know him him doing that, you know, might have, you know, he may have caught those fish, you know, and that would have been good. I wouldn't have been mad. Would, you know, that's good for him. But it was just shows you the kind of people, you know, that are aware of what's going on and like, hey, man, you know, here's your space, you know, out of respect and, you know, go after it, you know, go after it, buddy. So it was, I, I owe him a, I owe him supper for that. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah. Ryan Lambert just shared that an interesting story about that one too, Um, in his um, wind right now at the Hobie BOS. Um bar Watts. What did you fish bar Watts? No, sense? I didn't I, I didn't fish Watts Bar. No, I i had no. to stay home. Watts and, bar, I'm
3: sorry. Uh, yeah. Me and me and my wife are expecting a baby. Uh oh, next congratulations. Month. Thank you. Uh this will, this is my second one, so uh oh. little Reese little Reese Fisher is more important right now. So I didn't no, I didn't want to go out of town and miss anything. So
2: Oh definitely. Well congratulations on that. Uh you know, that's definitely a lot more to celebrate than of winning uh tournament or catching five fish for sure. So congratulations. Uh, you know, if it's a boy or a girl, it's a boy. Yeah. Reese, Reese yeah. Fisher
3: had to, had to, oh. had to, give him some type of outdoors name. My first one's Ridge. Nice. Uh, his first name's Ridge. So this one, we were going to go with Fisher's his middle name. So
2: nice. I like it. And you have, uh, your oldest one is.
3: He's three. He'll, well, he'll be three in May. Oh, so and what's yeah, his name?
2: Uh, Ridge. Yep. Are you both, well, how both are going to be named the same first name?
3: Uh, well, my first boy's name's Ridge, uh, okay. like mountains, I guess. And then, uh, oh, okay, my second one is going to be Reese. We wanted to oh, go okay, with two, okay. two first names with ours, so we went with Reese Fisher.
2: Oh, nice, nice. Now I get it. All right, cool, man. Congratulations. Here you Thank go. You. And uh, I, I like when they're like that close in age together because they can grow up together and you know, you know, they don't have that big gap in age and they can both learn how to fish together and you know, it'll be fun. You can, I'm oh, sure yeah. you're very excited. So is your wife.
3: Oh yeah. They're going to be my little prodigies here in a couple yeah. of years. I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop fishing all together and I'm just going to follow them around and hopefully take some pictures, I guess. So follow That's them awesome.
2: along. So I kind of want to, uh, when I'll stop you with my original question. So going back to, um, uh, your fourth place finish at the TOC, we we're talking about how, you know, Fair or unfair, you're going to get the the people that are going to say, well, you want the KUSA because it's your home lake. You know, now in, getting fourth place in the TOC, to me, is a big accomplishment. I mean, out of 50 anglers, the top 50 anglers in the world, do you feel like you can look back and, you know, say, hey, you know what? I'm not just, this wasn't, you know, it wasn't that I won the KUSA because it, I was in my home waters. I've... I've shown that I can go toe-to-toe with the best of them by getting fourth place at the T.O.C. which, you know, I guess in a way it's disappointing that you didn't win, especially because you were leading for so long um, and you didn't find out till the very end if you got jumped over, which you did. But does it validate your win at the CUSA finishing fourth in the T.O.C. in your mind?
3: Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a big confidence thing, you know, as far as a lot of people, like I said, were betting on me for the Coos event and being a hometown guy, you know, and you know, the whole, the whole hometown thing kind of, I don't really, I don't really buy into that, you know, because no matter where you go in the country, it does not matter what lake, what river, what state, there's always going to be a hometown guy. Yep. No, matter what, no matter what circuit you go to, whether that's, you know, F, you know MLF, you know, Bass, uh, you know, the Elite, um, and, and, and in the kite world, you know, Hobie, KBF, there, there's going to be local hammers in every event. Yep. I'm just going to throw a couple out there. You look at Ryan Lambert. You look at Jordan yep. Marshall. You, you look at Eric Thompson from Tennessee. And any event that comes up there, you might as well expect – you know, there, that's who you're going to have to be. That, that's just who it is. And, you know, it's just Neely Henry. It's been when people come into town, it's been Lance Coley, uh, me and a handful of other guys around here. It, it's that way everywhere you go, you know? So going in, going into the TOC, that was, that was in my head a lot. You know, I was like, am I just a local angler? You know, cause I mean, Because there's so much more, like you said, that goes into it as far as, you know, like going out places, you know, because you got guys that live here, 365, that fish, you know, for Mm -hmm. fun where these tournaments are going to be held and just have a way better game plan, more knowledge of how the layout is, you know, time of year, conditions, you know, and where they're going to be. And you just, you can't avoid that no matter where you go. You know, you're going to have to be prepared for that no matter where you go. And going into these events, you might as well throw that out your head because. Somebody's gonna be that hometown guy. I mean, it's just no, no matter where you go. So, and I, and my thing that if you want to beat the best, you to be the best, you got to beat the best. Is what my granddaddy always used to say. And and you know, it's like right now, I feel like I'm still learning. You know, I, I feel like I I feel like I am a good a good fisherman, but it's all a learning curve for me. Is because you got a lot of anglers that travel all the time to fish these events Mm -hmm. and it's it's repetition you know in my mind that's what it more is to me is going to these events and even if i don't do good i'm still gaining knowledge because i'm learning what time of year we went the conditions how i did what the fish were doing what they were relating to and then when this sucker rolls around the next time i'm going to do better and i'm going to hammer them Because you look at it, you can ask any of these anglers and prior experience is huge. You know, when you go to a lake and, you know, you may have figured them out during the tournament or, or found an area that was really good and you come here next year, you're not doing so much running around as you did the year before, you know, hitting, you know, 10, 15 spots throughout practice, bouncing around like a chicken with your head cut off. You come in here the second year or when the next come around comes and you've got a game plan going into it already, well, I found a good area it's got fish it's you know whatever your strengths are and you know that's just i think that's just how this, this thing works you know it's just it's just it, it's going it's a learning curve basically you know I think, I think that's what it boils down to is just just learning and keeping keeping up with what you learned and taking that to the next one
2: yeah that is very true and again, congratulations on your big win. I think uh, for anybody that would say, and I first of all, I agree with, ev- with everything you said about the home field advantage, but like I mentioned, it is whether it's fair or unfair. there's always going to be that, I don't want to say criticism, but there's always going to be that people that are going to comment that. Um, oh and, yeah, you know, for sure. And, and everybody's got it entitled for the position. I do understand they do have a case to be made. But personally, I think your fourth place finish at the TOC kind of validated to be not, first of all, uh, you're not a one hit wonder. And second of all, you can mix it up with the best of them, no matter what lake you're fishing at and what part of the country. So congratulations on that. Now you're moving on to, not moving on because you have other things, um, let me rephrase that, Not you're not Moving on to the KFL, but you also taking part into the KFL you are with the Alabama hammers um, first tournament is going to be on June. Um, how does that how does that approach for you change from a TOC or a Hobie BOS to now fishing in a team and again this is uncharted territory because we've never had a tournament this way so as far as you know, what do you think it's going to change.
3: I think it's I think it's gonna be a cool format. Um, I, when I got asked, I was all for it. I was like, you know, it's cool. Uh, I like working together with the guys. Um, and as as much as I like to be solo, as far as you know, me being independent and me worrying about what I need to do, I like the idea of being on a team and being able to help each other out and you know, trying to trying to get the bigger picture and trying to win overall as a team. Uh, I think that's pretty cool, Um, and and I know it's fairly new, so to be a part of that, you know, is is pretty awesome. Um, You know, and, I mean, we got some – every one of these teams has got some some hammers, you know, some sticks on them, and, you know, you look at the Florida Copperheads, they're coming at us first on June 12th. Yep. And I know there's a a couple of smack talkers on that team, and and, uh, (laughs) I'd hate (laughs) – I would hate for him to roll into Alabama, and that's a long ride back home. so
2: <laughs> it I know you're talking about, and i I love him. I've had it on my show. Shout out to to my man. I'm not gonna say the name because we haven't mentioned it, but we we all know you're talking about, but I'm it does it. bring <laughs> it does bring a little bit more of a sweetness when you're like, if you can oh, yeah. beat that person get him to you kind of like. Shut up about oh, it. Yeah. And well, <laughs> I mean, post I your own like, memes of comp- some, yeah. you cutting off their head instead of them cutting your head. Oh, yeah. It makes it just a little bit sweeter.
3: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've heard he's a, a great guy. Not, not no, any hard is. feelings towards him. Uh, I like the smack talk. Uh, I think it's good, and it just it keeps everything going and laughing, and it's fun. But um, uh, yeah, I, that was just a joke. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, um, and and. From what I've heard, they're probably one of the best teams on our schedule. Uh, all those guys can fish, so you know, hats off to the Florida Copperheads. We're we're looking forward to having y'all in Alabama, and I know y'all are probably looking forward to having us down there in Florida. So, oh yeah, we'll that, get a a, it,
2: too. And for those out there listening, we are talking about Conrad Benetti, the barbarian. We, we love him. Um, I personally enjoy his mad talk. I know some people get offended by it, and honestly, sometimes he does take it. Uh, I don't want to say too far because he, I mean, he's not talking smack to me, so it's easy for me to say, oh, that's funny. Well, yeah, he's not directing his smack talk to me, but um, you know, he's colorful. He does bring a different level of excitement to the sport just because of his personality. And uh, we're not, I mean, I personally not criticize him or anything like that, but yeah, it is, it is fun. um, And it's even more fun if you beat him, I think. But uh, going back to fishing in Florida, that is probably the the hardest the hardest trail that you have to go in the KFL is going to Florida and face the Copperheads because regardless of personality and all that, I mean, Conrad Benetti, Bobby Morin, Jake Suvac, Then there are others that have, I don't know the, the whole team. So I apologize to the other gentlemen of that team. I didn't call your name. But at least those three I know for a fact, and all six of them are great hammers, and they're in their home lake. So... I mean it, it Florida is very different from anything out there. It's just kinda like the same way California is very different. That's why you see a lot of um California anglers dominate their um their 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 trails over there. When you talk about the Hobie BOS going to California, it's Russ Snyder, which is originally from California, and the top ten is just Cali dudes. So Florida is kinda like shapes up in a different way just as I think because of the The geographical landscape of Florida is very different from everything else that's mainland. So yeah, they do. In that case, they do have an advantage, and they're great hammers as well, who really know their lake very, very well. It's gonna be a a tough win over there. But you know, we wish you the best going down there and on your home lake, man. Let's uh, let's put a beating on those guys, you know, and uh, do your best. Um, I know you got extra pressure because you have to carry Dan Perry on your team. You know. Oh no! <laughs> D- D-
3: Old DP is gonna carry his own weight. Well, ain't gotta worry about dragging him around.
2: No, All no. Right. nah, DP. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Daniel Perry. Uh,
3: yeah, he, the- he's 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 a hammer of his own. You know yes. what I mean? He, that's, he he's probably he's probably well rounded more than most of us. I mean, he he can fish deep, shallow, everything in between. So yeah, he's gonna keep gonna pull his own fly. He might be pulling me around a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. So he might be pulling me around.
2: And, and this is honestly very serious. My personal best came, and I have to thank Dan Perry on that. Me, when I had my podcast before I, I came into Paddle and Finn, I did a podcast with him. I think it's one of my last podcasts before merging into Paddle and Finn. And Daniel Perry was my special guest, and we talked about fishing on deep ledges. And it was like I recorded it, and uh, a week later, I went to Ray Roberts. And it was hot. It was like 103 that day. So I went, I put in, I was listening to the podcast that I recorded, but I wanted to listen to it again as I'm driving to the lake and I focus on deep ledges. I ended up catching my personal best, 22 and a quarter bass on a jackhammer. So, you know, I always give thanks to Dan Perry for that because I really did learn a lot from that recording that episode with him. So shout out to DP. Well, Coley, uh, first of all, thank you again for everything you do. Thank you again for your service. I really enjoyed talking to you about not just kayak fishing, but your outlook on your professional life as a sheriff deputy. I I, can, I can't say that enough. I can't stress that enough. It's refreshing to hear a young man like you talk about His outlook on his work, and uh, you know, for every all the crap that goes out on social media, whether it's edited the wrong way or whether it's, you know, whatever it is, um, we have to remember there are great people. A lot of them, the majority of the people that work in in first responders and law enforcement are people like yourself that care about the community, care about helping other people. And wherever, you know, wherever we have interactions with our police officer because we, you know, we didn't follow the traffic rules, then just remember we have to they're doing their job and it's our job to support them. You know, and if there's something that being said that we felt that um could have said been said better then it's our, you know, just being able to talk to that officer and getting things solved out and Finding common ground is very important. So again, thank you for that, jo, uh Coley. Before I let you go, uh, I wanted to give you an opportunity to thank any of your sponsors, family members, anybody else that you want to thank for helping you in in your professional life and in your kayak fishing.
3: Um, I'd like to thank my wife. Uh, she she supports me, you know, uh, and she encourages me to do the most fishing. So, uh, and my father in law, you know, he he helps me out and you know keeps keeps my head in the game. Um And my mom and my dad, my family, and uh, my little boy. Um, I'd like to thank the Yak Shack in Pelham. If you're in Pelham, stop by, see them. Um, you know, you can tell them I sent you or just go in there, buy some stuff. They, they got kayaks. Um, they're a good dealer. They got baits and clothes and stuff. And um, if you're around Gadsden, Bucks Island, um, you know, they're going to be a Hobie dealer. They sell Jacksons and other kayaks and stuff. They're trying to, you know, expand and get some more stuff in. Um, so we got a lot of those guys, and there's a there's a club around here, um, a, spot, a local sponsor I got. Uh, Thin blue tight lines guy I worked with at the sheriff's office. Um, he uh, it's just basically a law enforcement thing across the country. A lot of the local law enforcement guys, you know, first responders that like to fish competitively. You know, we do that, and then the hooks and racks. Um, yeah, that's about it. Just mainly my family that just encouraged me to keep chasing. You know what I enjoy and what I, what I like to do in my off time. So hats off to them.
2: Definitely. And, uh, when is Reef, uh, coming out party or expected? Uh,
3: well, he, he's supposed to be here March the 20th. Nice. Um, and there's a, there's a KBF trail event, uh, not too far from here up in Florence that I was hoping to attend. Uh, so I'm kind of on the edge about it as far as, um, if, if my little boy's here by then, hopefully I can make it because my family's gonna come hang out with my wife while I can go do it. But if not, that's fine. I'll catch the next one. But yeah, looking forward to that one. Hopefully that'll be my next event.
2: Cool. I was just about to ask you what was your next event, but there we go. So, man, congratulations again on uh, your fourth place at the TLC. You win at the Kusa, um, which are the best on the KFL um and on and every single tournament was a local national event uh, we wish you the best we look forward to you know what you bring and uh what you're gonna do moving forward so thank you again for taking the time to record this podcast man thank you again for your service and uh, for those out there listening thank you for tuning into the bass kayak and beers remember you can follow me on instagram on facebook on the bass kayak and beers and you can follow Coley Magon on facebook as well on the coley mcgowan kayak fishing is that correct
3: yeah you can follow me on instagram too coley yeah. underscore mcgowan underscore fishing so you can either one
2: perfect well thanks again everybody have a great night have a great day wherever the time is that you're listening
1: tight lines stay safe thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on paddle and fin